Hey, this is Jonathan Colton, and you're listening to Stolen Droids Podcast. Or is it the Stolen Droids Podcast? I don't know. <laughs> Broadcasting from the Stolen Droids Hangout and discussing everything that has been taking place in the geek world over the past 168 hours, well, give or take, it's the Stolen Droids Podcast. Hello and welcome to podcast episode number 137. This is Schmitty. I'm Zana. And I'm Zook. And guess what? We only have a week left. A week left for nominations for the ninth Annual Podcast Awards. Yes, we are going right there, first thing. <laughs> For everyone who's been voting, we really appreciate it. Everyone who's been supporting us for years now, we couldn't have done this without you. Literally. So we owe you guys a lot, and we do appreciate it. But you only have one week left to get your vote in. And you can vote every day. Head on over to www.podcastawards.com, scroll down, find us in the technology section, and vote. We deeply appreciate it, and we hope to bring home a win for you guys in that category. Now... To be fair, we're going up against some really stiff competition, including our friends over at Waves of Tech, Stephen Lee. So we got to give a shout out to him because they've actually helped us out greatly with this show as well. So it's kind of weird to be running against them. Yeah. Actually, it was Zoner and I who met them last year when we were both nominated as well. So. Yeah, great guy. Great guy. Very good. Uh, we also want to give a shout out to our other friends, trekradio.net, cryptonradio.com, openbookaudio.com, and stitcher.com. We also couldn't do it without you guys, and we love you all dearly for it. Happy to be on your stations, happy to be on your phones. That's not a very good catchphrase. I'll think of something better next week. You know, it kind of worked though. I, I, I could see where you were going, and I, I'm not embarrassed for you. I need I need like a, a Will Ferrell mustache from Anchorman to say something that <laughs> cheesy though. Okay. On the air and on your phone. <laughs> but whatever, it worked, you know, sort of. All right, into our headlines. We actually have a surprising amount of headlines. We started the week with almost no news, and only in the past couple days has it kind of exploded. So we should get started on that. First up, news this week that BlackBerry has been left out in the cold to die. You know when, uh, in old lore, when the elders got too old to hunt or whatnot, they just kind of left them out on the ice to die by themselves, no longer a, a drain on society? I yeah, Blackberry. Yeah. <laughs> Back in the 90s, you know, pre-internet days. <laughs> no, Blackberry has hit that point. All those different sales they were relying on, uh, there was talk from Lenovo, there was talk from John Scully, there was, there was talk from everyone. Oh, everyone's looking to buy Blackberry. None of them did. And the one deal that looked like it was the most likely to go through, that one with the financial company for $4.7 billion, it fell through as well. So what they do? They got rid of their CEO, Thorsten Heinz. Oh, I know. The guy who just seemed to not live in reality. Synergy! Got... <laughs> be bold. If you could just be bold. What would you do to be bold? Well, I'd turn a company around, that's for sure. In the meantime, they have uh, they have put in an interim uh, CEO uh, named by the name of Mr. Cheng, and this is what is confusing to me. And then I'll fully admit this is confusing. I haven't checked the headline in a little while there, but an interim CEO is typically tasked with just keeping the day-to-day operations of the company going until an actual CEO can be found. Right? That's the definition. 
However, he has gone on record that he is going to redouble BlackBerry's efforts in the smartphone industry, that they are committed to it, and this is just the beginning of a shakedown across the board to cut any dead weight they can from the company, which is not something an interim CEO says. Now, cutting dead weight from the company, so they're just going to, like, board up the door? We don't need this building. (laughs) Why do we have this building? (laughs) I mean, it... The whole company is dead weight at this point. We could uh, we could do all of our operations from a loft in Toronto. <laughs> <laughs> I yeah I. When he's saying dead weight, I get the feeling he's meaning people. Yeah, he's interim. He is a temp. Is he though, or did they just use the wrong word in describing him? Uh, it wouldn't surprise me. It is BlackBerry we're talking about. We didn't know what that word meant. <laughs> I don't think that word means what you think it means. It means going from two CEOs to one CEO, so it must be intern. Yeah, no, and even <laughs> just a day ago on the Wall Street Journal, he's still being listed as the interim one. So this, his name's John Chen. And uh, strangely, this has only brought blue, uh, blueberry Blackberry down by like 3% in the stocks. But when so, you're only worth like 18 cents, 3%'s a lot. Well, okay, so what's everyone's predictions here? Are they going to figure out a way to pull this out? No. Is, does the new guy actually mean business? Are they past the point of redemption? Yeah, yeah they're, they're not coming back. I'm going to go with our, our previous definition of BlackBerry, the, uh, the cockroach of the tech industry. I don't think they'll ever die. <laughs> yeah, and that's the thing, is that I've been predicting their death for over a year and a half now. Well, we all have, and I don't think they're going to die, but I don't think they're going to come back from it. They're going to stay status quo. They're going to continue to be a complete disaster because that's what they've become. They're not going to die. They're not going to go out of business. So let let me rephrase then. Do you think it's impossible for them to pull it out, pull it back from the brink, as it were? Or do you think it's possible but they just won't? Like, they won't be able to? Ooh, that's a good question. Is it a culture thing, or is it an actual impossibility thing at this point? I would go with impossibility, just because um, they've shot themselves in the foot so many times that even if another company bought them, it would be hard to revive the BlackBerry brand itself. I concur. Now, had they, had they done it three years ago, had someone bought them three years ago, the BlackBerry brand probably could have succeeded from that point. But they've just been going downhill so far ever since that I don't think anyone in their right minds would associate BlackBerry with anything good anymore going forward. Just my opinion, I guess. Watch, they're going to rebrand again. <laughs> There'll be something entirely different and... Somehow that's enough to to pull them back. How many we'll have to... How many emails do you think John Chen got saying we've been waiting for for this CEO? He runs very smooth and <laughs> he's user friendly and smooth. Yes. Okay, we've been waiting a long time. <laughs> All right. Well, that's BlackBerry news. I mean, we could keep kicking them on while they're down, but frankly, they haven't been up in two and a half years. It's just not even fun. (laughs) Ever since we were single-handedly responsible for bringing them down, 
as one of our listeners pointed out. Um, it just hasn't been fun to kick him. You see what you've done, Blackberry? You've made bragging on you tedious. <laughs> you even sucked the joy out of that. <laughs> they do have to stay alive because we do have to meet our weekly Blackberry News quota. So we'll just move on to a different company. Yeah, but it's kind of like <laughs> it's kind of like making fun of that kid at school in grade school that would always pee his pants. It's just too easy. After a while, you don't even do it. It's like, yep, okay, there goes Joey. Yeah, it's like I'm not sitting next to him on the bus. I shouldn't say that. I knew a Joey. I was friends with the Joey. Joey, if you're listening, I'm not talking about you. I just don't know. <laughs> Sorry, Joey. <laughs> Threw you under the bus. Sorry. All right. Well, um, into other cell phone news. Rather not cell phones, but the cell phone company. Two headlines came out today about AT&T. The first one might make you mad as an AT&T subscriber, and the other one might make you mad as a fan of Android. Well, the first one is it turns out that the CIA has been paying AT&T $10 million a year to have back-end access to all of your information. Now, we've been talking a lot about the NSA lately, but this is the CIA. They're stupid for paying that because, as we learned last week on our episode... You can just go and hack their... Da- oh, no, sorry, that was Yahoo and Google. Sorry, never mind. I was going to say just go hack their data center, but... Well, I'm pretty sure they could do it anyway. Just the same, this does make me wonder here, okay? at and has what I believe are incredible surcharges for service, okay? I They're not the most expensive, but for what you get, they are still too expensive. They overcharge you for the phones. They overcharge you for the service. They nickel and dime you for texting and for data, right? They haven't built out their network in almost three years. They haven't added to it in a noticeable amount. So on top of all their subscriptions and all that money they have coming in, on top of all their other investments they have coming in, and they're, they're getting an extra $10 million check a year. How is it that these guys still keep saying that they're out of money? Dead silence. But, uh, I, uh, what do you say? <laughs> how, how do you respond to that? I Bad management? Obviously it's not, not like, as bad as BlackBerry. It's like the CIA basically said, Hey, um, we don't want service. We don't want anything from you. We're just going to give you this $10 million, Okay. And yet AT&T still says they need to merge with Rogers and they need to take over T-Mobile and they need to take over Metro PCS because there's no way they can survive otherwise. Uh, there's something going on there, AT&T. If you're getting all that money and you can't survive... So I'm okay that, with really... AT&T going under because I hate AT&T. I hated dealing with them. They won't go under. They'll no, never they go won't. under. Wishful thinking... Shmini keeps trying to talk, but he's muted. I'm like, why can't I hear myself? (laughs) Um, So this raises a question for you because uh, we, well, we haven't been surprised that the NSA um, is is spying on us. Uh, We've we've learned that in recent months. But isn't the CIA? um, Isn't there? Aren't they prohibited from from spying on Americans Um, or or something like that where they can't? They can't intercept American phone calls or data. I don't know. Isn't there something in there like that? Or 
It's my understanding from countless hours of watching television and movies that the CIA has no authority within the borders of the United States. That's the FBI's realm. Now, so wait a minute. You're saying that the CIA might be doing something kind of illegal? I don't know. I'm just going based on what television has taught me. They're doing something shady? AT&T is an international company, so maybe this is only data that's overseas. I don't know. Kind of... Kind of raises an eyebrow, though, doesn't it? <laughs> Not so much anymore. <laughs> yeah, not, oh, nothing. So I'm a little with the bit government surprises me. Yeah. Um, the other thing they're doing is actually against Android handsets. Now, arguably, they're doing this for the benefit of Android because Android is now so susceptible to uh, malware attacks, viruses, that sort of stuff. And when I say that, I'm not coming down on Android. Right. It's like Windows. It's susceptible to it because it's the most popular. So that's what everyone's developing for. Well, AT&T is taking one step in the direction of trying to protect you, but in the worst possible way, by preloading all Android devices with Lookout Security. Basically, think of it like uh, Norton Antivirus for your phone. Ugh. Here's the <laughs> issue. If you've bought a computer in the last five years that had Norton Antivirus preloaded onto it, you know that it's the worst part of your computer. Now just imagine that on your phone. <laughs> Yeah. You know, I've used Lookout in the past. I didn't find it irritating or, or anything. Uh, it did what it said it would do. Uh, but that being said, I switched to a vast. Now, well, and, and you could argue that the reason people like Android in the first place is because it gives you the option. It lets you make the decision. Maybe you don't like Lookout. Maybe you already have another piece of software to use, right? Doesn't this feel like they're kind of taking that away from you? Kind well, that's of, yeah. what they do with their bloatware all the time, Zook. Now, a- admittedly, we know that Android right now is the most popular operating system, not because you can do anything you want to it. That's why it gained the early adopters and the enthusiasts. And honestly, that's one of its biggest strengths. The reason it's the biggest right now is because it's the cheapest... And Samsung and HTC have done wonders in flooding the market with really good, really cheap, or I should say really affordable handsets. So, all those great features are really awesome to get the early geeks on board, like us. Like many people who listen, but that's not the reason it's so popular now. Right. Okay, into some... (laughs) kind of sad news. I laugh. Um, I laugh because I hit the wrong sh- um, news link. That's later on. We'll laugh together later on, but for now we have sad news. A report came out of uh, Bloomberg Business just this week about or sorry, from Business Week uh, about what happens along Apple's supply chain. They followed a, a gentleman, a Nepalese farmer who had to uh, go and get work inside the Apple supply chain. He wasn't a mole. He didn't get, like, you know, plucked. He's an embedded undercover journalist trying to break his story. He's just a farmer. And it goes into a long bit of detail. It's a five-page story. If you have time, it's worth checking out. But basically, it brings up the fact that Apple, or rather Apple suppliers, were using indentured servants to make the devices. Or, or part of the process. Yeah, people who were only indentured because they were trying to get a job. Here in the U.S., we take for granted how easy it is to work. 
I know with the recession we had a number of years ago and with our unemployment, we may not think that and how hard it is to get the job you want. But really, comparatively to many other nations, it's easy to get a job in the U.S. Over there in Southeast Asia, not so much. Families will pay a, uh, a recruiter a monetary amount saying, hey, you know, when when a job comes up, keep me in mind. I want a job. Basically buying a spot in line to get a job. That recruiter then hands off to another recruiter who hands off to another recruiter before you ever actually start working. Each of these recruiters require a fee. So by the time that you've even started the job, you may already owe up to $1,000 US. When you work there, they may not pay you have to pay for your room and board. You have to pay for your food and everything else. And if at any point they decide to stop paying, they won't let you go home until you have earned off the amount of money you owe everyone. In this particular uh, article, they're talking about how they were withholding people's passports. Once you entered the country to work, they would hold your passport ransom so you couldn't go home again. And then they let everyone's visas lapse. So at this point, everyone's an illegal immigrant. Yeah. Yeah, this makes the uh, the whole Sony PlayStation 4 issue with the, the college students look like... It looks makes them look like angels, basically. Yeah. <laughs> Good is, job, Foxconn. Awesome ethics there. We appreciate that. Now... One of the reasons in this particular story, they were making the iPhone 5, the original iPhone 5, not the S, not the C. And one of the reasons why this particular plant was closed and everyone was laid off without getting pay was that the cameras weren't working correctly and Apple was kicking it back. They were rejecting 7 out of every 10 lenses for their cameras. But it does give you a really, really dark inside picture for what it takes to create our cell phones. And so when we say, oh my gosh, the new iPhone, it has those yellow dots on their display again, is, I'm so angry I could just die. Well, in reality, an entire plant full of workers may now die because they just lost the contract. Yeah. That's kind of a morbid thought, dude. Yeah, you better like your phone because it may cost someone their life. Now And and leave their family with it. This is not... Yeah. Now, this is not new news. This is just, you know, a, a long time story that's been, they've been working on that finally released. But it does come at the same time that Apple has announced that they're building their manufacturing plant in Arizona, bringing manufacturing back to the U.S. And for some reason, some people are upset with this. Well, the prices of our iPhones are going to increase. Oh, you no. can't have six year old Chinese kids building them here. Well, and. Six-year-old Mexican kids, maybe, but not six-year-old Chinese kids. This sounds like he's being insensitive, but truly, this is what it's coming down to. This is what people are arguing, that they don't want their phones to become too expensive. And even though no one wants to come right out and say it, everyone knows it, that the only reason your device is so cheap is because some underpaid labor staff was able to make it for you. Yeah, so, I am. I am trying to shed a little bit of humor, but it's it's dark. I mean, it's not a pleasant thought. So, 
and this is not in our show notes. This is just a question. Is there an ethically manufactured gadget out there right now that you can get in full confidence that no one was, you know, exploited to make? That's a question for you listeners, too. Is there one out there that you know or have heard of? Feedback at StolenDroids.com. Because we want to know. It's something we don't think about and we take for granted very often. But in, you know, in, with how globalization is taking over everything, we're hearing more and more stories about, you know, how many children died to make my laptop or, yeah. you know, the person who made my microphone then threw themselves off a Foxconn tower. Not really great. <laughs> The factory that comes to mind when you pose that question um, is is the Ford factory in in Detroit. And now I, I realize I'm going into the auto industry and away from from the mobile gadget industry, and maybe it's all different in the auto industry. But um, the Ford factory in Detroit is um, I mean anybody can can go into it to take a tour and everything. Most of it is machine run. Um, and it's one of the cleanest auto factories in the world. They, they pride themselves on, on being like 95% green. They have, uh, solar panels all over the place and it, it's an amazing clean place. Um, that, your question reminded me of that because number one, people are well paid there. Two, it's, it's a clean environment and probably 150% OSHA compliant. <laughs> So, I, and it's the auto industry, so maybe maybe that's because it's... Well, as soon as I can get a tablet made by Ford, I will buy it. Let's get them on that. <laughs> <laughs> and my tablet will get 50 miles a gallon. That's yeah. Great. But the transmission uh, will go out at 150,000 hours. <laughs> <laughs> well, if the battery lasts that long, I'm in for it. <laughs> yeah, no joke. Most batteries only last 50,000. Okay, moving into piracy news. We haven't talked about piracy for a while. Not legitimately, anyway. Turns out um, a new case of piracy was um, raised this week against two well-known industries, or companies, rather. The RIAA. Yeah. The RIAA and the BPI both used copyrighted software on their websites without giving due diligence, without actually giving credit to where it came from. It was open source software that simply says you can use this software for however you want. You can modify it. You can post it as many places as you want so long as you leave this copyright notice in place. What did they do? They removed the copyright notice. Now, this isn't the first time we've heard of this, is it? Well, um, this is the first time we've heard of it from the RIAA. Um, was it the MPAA who did it? The MPAA has done it once. Um, there are U.S. senators who were going after Internet pirates who had used pirated software on their personal websites. Or in Hatch, if you're wondering. Yeah, he's uh, he's Utah's senator. Our senator, our dinosaur senator. Now, now speaking as a, as a web developer, I know for a fact that this happens way more often than we are aware of. Oh, totally. Uh, it's, it's really easy um, to take someone's someone's code and copy and paste it into your own and whether or not you're aware of that person's you know copyright notice or you know or their the statement saying you can use this just credit me in it whether or not you know that's there it's so easy to just copy and paste around it or or remove it or or sometimes it's it's easy to not notice it so it it happens more often than we think 
And I think the only reason companies like this get called out for it is because of how big they are and how popular they are. So it's it's not a new thing. It's just it's unfortunate that uh, uh, only a few companies are called out for it when there's probably way more companies that are guilty of it. Now, do you think the fact that these companies are being called out for it has anything to do with the fact that they're constantly out there bashing it on people for piracy? Absolutely. <laughs> I mean, it's completely hypocritical, so they should be called out for it. Yeah, most definitely. Well, and if you remember, like, it was just a few months ago, I think, that uh, Torrent Freak, the site who actually brought this news as well, uh, was able to find that the MPAA had pirated entire seasons of Dexter. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> which came to, like, over $8 million. In fines? Yeah. Or would have had they or been Or would fined. have. Had they been going over after someone else, it would have been over $8 million by their own reckoning. So, yay. Yay, Wait hypocrisy. Are we, are, honestly, though, are any of us surprised the RIAA is filled with hypocrites? No. No. Into some Google news, we spoke last week about their floating barges and wondering if they might be data centers. Well, we weren't the only ones who suggested that, and for reasons that were pretty obvious to us, considering uh, the issues they've been having with the NSA and whatnot. They've they've shed some light. And by when I say they've shed some light, I mean, really, they haven't confirmed anything. They have said, yes, they are ours. When people have said, so what is it for? Quote, Although it's still early days and things may change, we're exploring using the barge as an interactive space where people can learn about new technology, end quote. Google Glass Training Centers? On a barge? <laughs> I don't know. Maybe they got to get to international waters. There's some crazy stuff that could happen with Google Glass. What kind of exploring interactive space do you need to do on a giant barge? And by if you have not seen the articles or seen the pictures, when I say a giant barge, I mean a large building placed on a hull. <laughs> I mean, barge alone does not describe this. There are office complexes that look smaller than this. Yeah. And there's two of them on both coasts. What interactive technology could they possibly be doing? Almost seems like they have room on there for uh, like a driving course for their new Google cars. You know? <laughs> but th that's just it, and they might have that. But Google has enough power, has enough resources, have enough, has enough land. If they were working on that, they could do that on land. Right. This is the most expensive way possible to do anything. So I'm calling BS on this one. Whatever they're doing, it's obviously something worth it to them to put this amount of resources into it. So when we say that they have shed light, we really mean they haven't given us anything. Well, you just mentioned uh, self-driving cars. Self-driving boat, maybe? Oh, no, there's something. <laughs> A self-driving barge? It's an AI barge that's going to take over the world. Yeah, they're, they're building Skynet. <laughs> the um, barges have become self-aware. Yeah, they'll launch trash at us. We're doomed. Now, into Xbox news. This 
this month, actually, in just a couple of weeks, the Xbox One will launch. Yay. They have confirmed that you will be able to play the PlayStation 4 through the Xbox One. I'm not sure you want to do this, and I'll get to why in a moment here, but the Xbox One has an HDMI in port. It's designed for, like, cable boxes or other content providers so the Xbox One can control it so you can actually watch TV through your Xbox. That's its design. And when it was first brought up, people asked, so I could play the PS4 through it? And their engineers even said, you could theoretically, but you wouldn't want to. The delay would be too great. It just wouldn't be worth it. Now here we are, about to launch the Xbox One, and they're saying, no, yeah, you could totally do that. I get the feeling they're just grabbing at straws, trying to make it more attractive at, at launch time. Well, and I, I think also that since they're not mentioning the delay anymore, I I kind of wonder if it means that they've fixed that problem. Maybe if you're doing a straight video pass-through and not using any of the DVR functionality, um, that there is no delay anymore. Um, it's, it's possible. They may have fixed it. Yeah. Now, in other Xbox One news, a, an article came out this week that says the PS4 will blow the Xbox One out of the water. We're not surprised to see this. This happens every console launch. Someone goes up in arms about why this one's going to be better than the other one. This one had hard numbers behind it. It was because the hardware behind the Xbox One was less powerful than the PlayStation 4 by a large degree, by a large margin. And so if you've seen it pop up this week, we're asking you to ignore it because all these different headlines all said the same thing, and that was that the PS4 will trounce the Xbox One. An independent gaming review um, actually went in and set up both environments and compared them side by side and said even though the PlayStation 4 has twice the power under the hood, the Xbox is able to keep up with it. Which, to my mind, speaks more about the Xbox's utilization, like they've actually optimized it. Does this mean that the Xbox One will hit its peak faster? I don't know. It's, yeah, it's possible that the PS4 isn't using 100% of its hardware. It was kind of like when the PS3 and Xbox 360 came out, it was almost the same situation. PS3 was still performing a little better than it, um, but the Xbox 360 hit its uh, hardware peak a lot faster and a lot sooner than the PS3 That's when the true. PS3 I, games kept getting better and better. So I, You're right. I had forgotten about that, but you're right. The PS3 was more powerful on paper than the Xbox 360, but it's only been recently that the PS3, that developers have been finally able to fully utilize the PS3's hardware. Yeah. It's just now, harder, harder to develop for. And remember, guys, this isn't a, a, a PlayStation fanboy speaking. I am an Xbox fan. So don't take my words as a, as a fanboy speak, because I go strictly off of numbers here. So You don't have to take <laughs> his word for it. <laughs> Thanks, LeVar. All right, LeVar. <laughs> um, this does go to show that Microsoft is pretty good at, util- at um, optimizing things. A, a new firmware, and this is kind of un- uh, unconnected, but at the same time, rather connected at the same time. The new uh, Surface 2 and Surface RT 2, it's actually just called Surface Pro 2 and Surface 2, but that's confusing now, got a new firmware update, and Microsoft said that it'll increase the battery time like crazy. Like, you, you've, ne- you've never seen how much it increases it 
by 50%. They found that's not actually true. Instead, it's like 35%, which is still pretty awesome. But so, like, Anantech did a side-by-side comparison of watching a movie using VLC player on a Surface Pro 2. And it clocked in at around five hours. The battery was dead in five hours. But then they watched that same video on the same machine, only instead of using it in VLC, they used it in the Metro video player. And it went to eight hours. Hmm. Yeah. Now, Schmidty's pointing out that this is not in the show notes. This is just something I was reading on the side. I didn't add it in there because I didn't... We, oh. <laughs> I, I often go on and on about how much I love Microsoft, and I don't want to turn this into a Microsoft fanboy show, because I know a lot of people don't, and that's fine. But it does go to show that Microsoft is optimizing their hardware a little bit better than third parties. The same video, the same hardware, three hours of extra battery time just by going to their video player and not VLC. So interesting, yeah. It's not outside the realm of possibility that the the Xbox One will be able to keep up. Yep. Um, Speaking of entertainment... That was a bit of a stretch. Yeah, that was a bad stretch, dude. Just sausage it. I'll I'll let someone else cover this one, though, because I haven't even read the article. Okay, well, being the resident comic nerd here, uh, Marvel, it was announced today, Disney, as we know, owns Marvel. Um, They announced a huge deal with Netflix where they will be bringing four new live-action TV series to uh, direct to Netflix. Uh, they're going to be focusing on uh, street-level characters, as they say, uh, of Hell's Kitchen in New York. So with that, we get Daredevil, we get Iron Fist and Luke Cage, and then we get Luke Cage's retired superhero baby mama, Jessica Jones, which I, I was asking some of my buddies today, who are huge Marvel guys, about Jessica Jones, and they're like, they did. They didn't know anything about her hardly at all because she never is. Heard of her. She is such a non-player in the Marvel universe. I guess that I don't know why they're doing this, but whatever. Hey, we get Daredevil on TV, and hopefully, it's not Ben Affleck-y. <laughs> Does this mean we get the Defenders too? Yes, no. they are going to culminate with the Defenders miniseries. Although one of my buddies got really upset when. He saw Daredevil, Iron Fist, Luke Cage, and Jessica Jones as the Defenders. One of my other friends, though, says Iron Fist is the Defenders. Luke Cage is the Defenders. So uh, you got comic nerds out there going back and forth on the, on the matter. But um, yeah, it looks like it looks like we're going to have about sixty episodes uh, starting in twenty fifteen with Daredevil, which will go minimum of 13 episodes for each character so uh, should be pretty good I'm, I'm excited so now I don't know comics like you guys do but I do know that if you can get comic book nerds going back and forth if you can get that dialogue some loving it some hating it that's good buzz yeah. <laughs> that's excellent now have they announced who, any casting yet um they have not. So Because I remember that um, a little while ago, I say a little while, but really it was years ago, Isaiah Mustafa was approaching, he was approaching Marvel because he wanted to play Luke Cage. That now, if any of awesome. you don't remember who Isaiah Mustafa is, he was the old Spice guy. 
Hello, ladies. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Does your man smell like me? I'm on a horse. <laughs> I'm on a horse. Yeah. He would be hilarious. And he's a huge Marvel fan. He approached them because he wanted to play Luke Cage. That was so, cool. I don't know. That would be kind of cool. Terry Crews make a fun Luke Cage. Terry Crews makes a fun anything. He's hilarious. Yes, he does. He could snap me like a twig, but I'd be laughing. I guess there was an update to this article uh, late this afternoon. Um, Apparently, uh, Disney CEO Bob Iger uh, was quoted as calling Marvel's Netflix deal a great opportunity for Marvel to create more brand value. Well, duh. Uh, There are more opportunities beyond our platform to produce product for. Additionally, he said um, that Daredevil, Jessica Jones, Iron Fist, and Luke Cage are, quote, not among the most popular Marvel characters, and, quote, we're never going to become feature films, but that could change if the Netflix shows are successful. So, yay, Jessica Jones feature film. Reading between the lines, it also says, we, uh, we look forward to using this as our foot in the door when we decide to finally buy Netflix. It it's going to happen. <laughs> it's going to happen, because that just makes too much sense. Yeah. Oh, man. Can you imagine that? Everything you love in the world is owned by Disney. It's going to get that way. You know, when I was like eight years old, that's how it was. <laughs> and those split, and even split between Disney and Google. <laughs> no. They'll battle it out. The Disney-Google war of 2020 will kill half the population. <laughs> Enter Skynet, stage left. <laughs> <laughs> that's really a terrifying idea now. Yeah. So I laugh, but now that I think about it, that's a really terrifying idea. Um, switching gears entirely. There's no gentle way to do this. A, a report has come out this week that says that there's an actual exploit for Bitcoins that allows people to game the system, meaning, you know, go ahead and make as much as they want through an exploit. And that it's actually already been known. And some people are trying to claim that it makes it actually more secure. Which makes no sense to me how you can say something is more secure because it has a flaw. Apple fans have been saying it for years. (laughs) We've revolutionized the currency's honor. We bring you (laughs) the iCoin. (laughs) Why Why can I see them doing that? But that's not all. There's one more thing. <laughs> yeah, apparently the, this not only allows uh, people to to hoard Bitcoins, but it, it allows them to slow down other miners' progress of Bitcoins. Imagine yourself setting up a huge network or whatever to, to mine Bitcoins, and all of a sudden your, your mining processors or GPUs aren't working anymore. It's because someone else is putting the kibosh on your mining. So this doesn't so much game the system like we've seen in the past, where people are able to generate an abnormal amount. Instead, it just kind of corners the market by denying everyone else. Yeah, it's it's strict, you know, bowling the system, mafia style. Uh, we're we're taking all the processor power. All your bit, all your Bitcoin mining belong to us, type of thing. <laughs> you know, the problem yeah. is with Bitcoin is uh, is that. 
it's still not generally understood. The general population still has never heard of it. The tech population is split between people who are familiar with the phrase but don't know really how to do it and the people who just know everything. There doesn't seem to be a lot of middle ground there. I am not an unintelligent person. I've been in the tech industry for many, many, many years. And yet when I read these articles, I still think they're talking about Minecraft. <laughs> uh, my, my favorite... Uh, when my favorite quote is this, and this is directly from the article here: "When the flaw is exploited, the solved block isn't put onto the end of the chain, but instead kept hidden. This results in other miners working to find the end of the chain that no longer exists. The more hidden blocks that are added onto the chain at once, the farther back in the chain the unsuspecting miners will be." It's more complicated than that, but that gets the point across. No, I'm sorry, it doesn't. I still think you're talking about Minecraft. <laughs> it does sound like a Minecraft dilemma. <laughs> I put a block here, I promise. Why did you take it away? I don't know. I think it's invisible. I, I don't get it. <laughs> Someone had rights to that plot. <laughs> um, I don't know if this will ever get fixed. I honestly... And I'm really bad at predicting these things. I thought I used to be good, but evidently I'm really bad. I don't know how long Bitcoin is going to last. It seems to be too fraught with issues. You know, the interesting thing about this story is I didn't hear about it first on a tech news site. I heard about it on the morning news as I was driving into work. Oh, that's weird. Yeah, it, it was really weird. I totally did not expect that. I, I didn't even think these people knew what Bitcoins were. So, so the knowledge of Bitcoin is becoming mainstream, it, it appears, and the but fact, nobody still knows what it is. Yeah, but the fact that the knowledge is going mainstream tells me it could it could survive a while, despite its problems. Yeah, now, for, from what I understand, once once they hit the max number of Bitcoins, which I think is one trillion or one billion, something like that, um, once, once they hit that max number, the Bitcoin itself will stabilize and become a a viable currency. Uh, that being said, the bitcoins that are out there flowing around, um, like in the Silk Road and things like that, uh, are still getting used. When you use a bitcoin, it doesn't go away. It's not that virtual. Um, so it will continue to go on in the black market as long as there is a black market. That uh, I mean, Bitcoin and other cryptocurrencies, since bitcoin isn't the only cryptocurrency. So... Uh, now that's interesting too, because most people wouldn't know that. Uh, but you're I, right. There's also Eve Gold, or sorry, Eve Isk, Isk World of Warcraft Gold. Uh, there's credits in EverQuest, I believe. Right. Well, no, I'm I'm talking about actual cryptocurrency. There's Bitcoin. There's Litecoin. There's uh, a couple of others I can't think of right now, but um, there's a lot of actual currency that people use. For, to buy real things. So I don't think saying, it counts unless Koreans can farm it. I was about to say, so you're saying that I can't hire a bunch of kids in Korea to just farm it for me? I'm not saying you can't. <laughs> Whether or not that uh, it it would be considered legal or you wouldn't be flagged by the FBI, I don't know. <laughs> I'll pay them in bitcoins. <laughs> cruel cycle. Cruel, cruel cycle. But that does lead very nicely into the Silk Road coming back. We, this is something we did not cover before, and we should have, and I feel bad about that. The Silk Road is named after the ancient route between China and Europe, or the Middle East, that used to take silk from China back there. 
We did we did talk about this when it got shut down. Schmitty we, went into great detail. <laughs> I think I may have glazed over. Probably. <laughs> to be perfectly I, honest. I think I did too, because I don't remember. Actually, no, I do remember talking about it now. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> well, the Silk Road in this case is an anonymous market uh, made for Bitcoin primarily. I mean, you can use other ways too, but it, it is it's Craigslist for the black market. I mean, that's really the easiest, most concise way to describe it that you will understand. Yeah, if there was an underbelly to the underbelly of the internet, this would be it. Would that be the overbelly? The oh, the, uh, the, <laughs> the muffin top of the internet. <laughs> <laughs> I thought that was FoodNetwork.com. Yeah, I, I love but Food y- Network. Even Food Network has an underbelly. <laughs> That's a show title if ever there was one. Internet oh, Muffin Top. <laughs> All we can do is laugh. Well, okay, so back to the uh, matter at hand. Silk Road 2.0 has launched. And it looks a lot like the old Silk Road. Yeah, it's just uh, more security, more... I mean, security as in it's harder to get to. Uh, it's more obscure. Now, it, for those that don't know, the old Silk Road was still hard to get to. It wasn't like you go to, you know, www.silkroad.com. You have to get an IP address that was rotating every 24 hours or something. You have to get that IP address off of an IRC channel um, that you can only get to with a password that you get off of a Usenet channel. It was a very roundabout way of getting it. Um, still didn't mean the FBI couldn't find them. But apparently this one is a lot harder to to get to, so... If you didn't have connections before, you probably won't have connections this time around. Good luck. <laughs> That's too bad. I kind of want to take a look at it, see what I could find. Well, the thing that's interesting to me, though, is a lot of people are nervous to hop on. You know, people, old Silk Road users, don't want to get on the new Silk Road because they don't feel that it's secure enough. Yeah, and I wonder if, if if news articles like this is even spooking them even more. Because the good thing about the old Silk Road is that no one knew about it. I mean, it, it's kind of like, uh, you know, how many people are aware of uh, an actual cocaine circle, cocaine ring or meth ring in, in their city? You know, it's behind closed doors. No one knows about it. Um it's, that's kind of how the old Silk Road was. Nobody knew about it, and so it was secured just out of anonymity. Blah. But uh, but articles like this now, I mean, we know it exists, and so that right there is is secluding them from it. So I got a web address for it. Hooray Wikipedia, I guess. <laughs> SilkRoad2.com? <laughs> Evidently, it's on the Tor network, so that's why it's able to stay off the radar for the most site, most part. And if you have the address to get to it, you can access it through the Tor network. No, but, but no, you're right. We didn't know about this for the longest time, only until they basically shut it down. I really want to see... <laughs> I want to do it more out of morbid curiosity, because now you can browse... Craigslist and see the weirdest stuff. I mean, it's like the Weird Al song. You know, person with a <laughs> box of packing peanuts, you can come by and pick them up for free, but leave the box. That one's mine. You know, just <laughs> random stuff. I want to see exactly how random Silk Road gets. 
then again, considering bitcoins are used to help with human trafficking and other such dark things, maybe I don't. You can probably buy humans on Silk Road. <laughs> yeah, I was just going to say, you can probably get yourself a nice, healthy human for but leave the box. harvesting. So, someone put it this way. Think of all the um, FBI and CIA and spy shows and movies you've ever seen. All the things that they talk about buying in huge amounts of cash and stuff on those shows is available on the Silk Road. We're talking um, stealth fighter jets, uh, torpedoes, uh, weapons of every kind, uh, so drones, not, predators. Not post-it notes and highlighters, then. No, we're talking post-it notes laced with cocaine. Oh, the exploding <laughs> kind. Okay. Nuclear highlighters. There you go. <laughs> also and known as dirty human. highlighters. Yeah. It's like when you do the yellow over black, it just gets all dirty. And yeah, yeah. Just don't throw this one <laughs> very far. <laughs> Into um, other hacking news, as it were, other IT security news, someone launched a DDoS attack against healthcare.gov. Now, if somehow you have been living under a rock for the last couple months, healthcare.gov is the website for the Affordable Health Care Act, also called Obamacare. It doesn't matter if you like it, or if you hate it, or if you think it should exist, or you think it shouldn't. Everyone knows the site is crap. <laughs> now, last week we were talking about this, and we jokingly said that like eight people were, or eighteen people were able to sign up, and yeah, it came out the very next day. Only six people were able to sign up on the first day. <laughs> yeah. It's bad. Uh, just last night, it was the subject of a, it was a butt of a joke at a country music awards, and everyone went ape over that, which is dumb, because it's the same joke we're all making. I don't know what contractor they used to make that site, but you'd swear it was hosted by GeoCities. It's bad. Well, so then we joked about it so much that why would anyone even try and bother hacking it? Even the hackers can't access the site to bring it down. Turns out we were wrong, because someone dropped it with a DDoS attack. Granted, it was probably a DDoS attack running from like a cell phone or something. With all it took, <laughs> it took a, it took a stiff wind to knock that site down. Okay, two people at the same time tried to access the site. <laughs> yeah. I, I explain nat naturally giving its own DDoS. Now, explain of course, what a DDoS is. A DDoS is a distributed denial of service attack. The idea is that if you hammer a server too much, it is too busy responding to you to give out any proper responses to other people. Most servers nowadays um, have such things as, you know, countermeasures and security measures put in place to stop that. So the best way to do it anyway is to get a huge amount of computers all hammering at once. They do this by using botnets to gain control of a large amount of computers to do it, even without the people who own the computers being aware of it. Anonymous is very famous for doing this. When we first launched the podcast, it seemed like every other episode or every episode, there was a new DDoS that dropped someone. So it's a, it's a tried and true method. Why they bothered to do it to this site is beyond anyone. But here's the message they left with the program that launches it. Destroy Obamacare. This program continually displays alter, alternate page of the Obamacare website. It has no virus, Trojan worms, or cookies. The purpose is to overload the Obamacare website, to deny service to users, and to perhaps overload and crash the system. 
You can open as many copies of this program as you want. Each copy opens multiple links to the site. Obamacare is an affront to the constitutional rights of the people. We have the right to civil disobedience. Okay, first off, again, it didn't take a DDoS program to crash the site. The site was crashing on its own, hence why so few people have been able to sign up or even get to the sign-up point. This is kind of pointless. Two, crashing a website is not civil disobedience. I know hackers like to think it is. It's like the right to assemble. Except it's not. Even though it's a virtual storefront, even though it's a virtual space, it's more akin to the right to assemble and throw rocks through a business's windows until they are forced to shut down. They're just assembling a lot of ping requests all at once. Yeah. This is not the right to assemble, and this is not civil disobedience. DDoS is considered a cybercrime for this reason. Uh, that being said, this is the stupidest thing I've ever heard. Why on earth did you people waste good time doing this? It wasn't working to begin with. Wait till Google takes over it or Amazon takes over it. Then crash the site. That'll make a point. Right now, good luck with that. Yeah, right now, even the most technologically inept people are going, Oh, it's crashed? Well, yeah, I heard that was happening. No, no, you don't understand. Hackers did it. Oh, so are hackers the reason why the site doesn't work? No, 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 the site didn't work anyway. But hackers made it not work more. You kind of muddy your point there. It's kind of like when you get a glass of ice water and it slips out of your hand and shatters on the kitchen floor and then you go and you get a hammer and you just start smashing all of the shards of glass to like really emphasize a point. That's a very, very um, forced metaphor, but I like it. We'll go with I, it. I, I, I wanted to talk about breaking glass. Well, why don't we talk about Adobe instead? Adobe uh, came out a month ago and we, we reported on it that they were breached and that they lost 3 million usernames and passwords. Now, the passwords had a hash on them, a password hash on them, so they were encrypted. But it wasn't a very good password hash. And guess what wasn't encrypted? The password hints. So if the hash was unintelligible, but the hint was password, then no one really cares if they're encrypted or not. It came to light that, no, 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 it turns out like 38 million people lost their information in the Adobe breach. Yet today, it came to light, it's actually closer to 150 million. A tool has been launched that allows you to see whether or not your username and password were breached. Guess what? Mine was. Mine was. Schmitty's muted. There we go again. <laughs> Fail. <laughs> one one of my two accounts was. My my personal one wasn't, but the one that's registered on my work address was. So that kind of worries me. Yeah, so I have had to go through and start changing my passwords all over the place just to be sure. Just another reason why you should pirate it instead. <laughs> Way to go, Adobe. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I actually have a story about that. I might post it to the site or our Facebook page instead because we're running out of time here. But, yeah, it's just easier and safer to pirate Adobe software instead. Pay for it later. But... <laughs> In jail, yeah. according to Zook. <laughs> well, okay, I'll, I'll, I'll give you this. I had a legitimate reason 
and will to buy an Adobe product. I went to the page, I signed in, I said I want a trial of this software, and the site crashed. I tried to report it to them, and the site crashed. I waited a couple days, and every day I kept trying to get this trial software, and the site crashed. I tried to call them. They said they aren't accepting voice calls anymore, but you can leave a message and someone will call you back. Someone finally called me back almost an hour later trying to get me to buy the software that I just wanted a trial for. In the 20 minutes it took him to finally get the clue that I was trying to get the trial, I went and bit-torrented the software. Installed it as a trial, and it's working fine. I told him right on the phone. It's like, look, I'd, I'd love to help you out, but I just pirated the software instead. In five minutes, I was able to get a working copy that I couldn't get from you that I was willing to pay money for. Yay, Adobe. Yay, Adobe. <laughs> it just goes to show the whole thing that we've argued for years about availability. Yeah. But no one listens to people. We're just people. We're just cattle with money. That sounds a little bit bitter. Let's go into something happy. How about our favorites? My favorite is super happy. It turns out that Tom Hiddleston really likes playing Loki. Have you noticed that? He's at Comic-Con. He's at events. He's in costume. I get the feeling he really, really loves this role, and he's great at it, because he's in a Comedy Central spot uh, where he, as Loki, is sitting down with kindergartners to talk about the new movie Thor The Dark World. Now, they're making an obvious play on the AT&T commercials with the spokesperson who's sitting down with those little kids. It turns dark, and it turns out that Loki does not like kids a whole bunch completely slams her over but it's just it's funny uh in fact a few videos have come out of hit of hiddleston this week uh mostly of him dancing all i can say is i want to dance like loki and if you don't know what i mean just google tom hiddleston dancing you will be amazed the man can move like that okay um my favorite this week is an app that just hit today i believe uh on I believe all three mobile platforms, Android, iOS, and even Windows. Uh, it's called Tiny Death Star. Uh, similar to uh, Tiny Tower, I guess, for iOS. I never played that. I'm not an iOS guy. Uh, so I've never played Tiny Tower. But I understand it's essentially the same concept with a Star Wars twist thrown in. Uh, you're building a Death Star. Got to throw in cantinas and houses or residents or uh, imperial interrogation chambers, you know, the fun stuff. And I have to admit, I'm addicted. I have not been able to stop playing. So go and check it out if you want to see your productivity drop to zero. <laughs> okay, my favorite uh, comes from our friends over at SciShow, SciShow, sorry, uh, SciShow channel on YouTube. Um, talking about narwhals, uh, I thought I'd go <laughs> as uh, you do, <laughs> as you do. <laughs> I thought I'd go a little educational here. Um, I uh, I really found this fascinating. For one, because narwhals are really cool, and two, uh, they're real. <laughs> so check it out. Um, very entertaining. And uh, if you haven't already checked out any of their other shows, give them a try. They're they're very educational and enter and entertaining. So. That's my favorite for the week. 
Excellent. Well, that is our show for the week. Again, we implore you, we beg you, we ask you, vote for us uh, for the Podcast Awards. PodcastAwards.com. Scroll down to technology. We do appreciate it. We appreciate your support. Uh, we could not do the show without you. We want to hear back from you. Feedback at StolenDroids.com or leave us a message. 801-317-GEEK. I think I change that number every week. Don't call. I don't actually remember what it is. Anyway, just email us. Until next time, cheers. End of life. Good day. This has been a Stolen Droids Media Production.